When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. I'm Hugh Atchison. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, a traveler, and now I'm the host of The Passenger. People ask me all the time, you know, what's that list of places to go in this city, in that city? And this show is dedicated to that idea, immersing yourself in that culture and finding out what's intriguing and what we think about the future of that place as a visitor, as a passenger. The first season of The Passenger premieres February 27th. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. Caroline, I don't know if you have noticed a similar thing among your girlfriends, but as we have progressed now into... Our later 20s, approaching the 30s. No big deal. Um, the term baby fever seems to come up in conversation more because a lot of uh, girlfriends are in longer-term relationships, settling down, mm-hmm. and inevitably it seems that the next thing to pop up is, do you want a baby? And this even comes up for friends of mine who are not in relationships, but who really all of a sudden are thinking and talking about babies. And we walk by babies and they have fits of baby joy. Yeah, I uh, that that has happened to some of my friends. I have witnessed that. I myself have not experienced it, but I get like that when I see puppies. Ah, so I have puppy fever, puppy fever. Yes. Um, Separate podcast. Yeah. And according to Time magazine, uh, in a September 2011 study that, or article that was published, they, uh, define baby fever as the quote, irrepressible, inexplicable urge to make a baby. Yeah. Just whip one up. <laughs> Just, yeah. It's sort of like a, an obsession almost. And, and we'll get into it later, but. Baby fever can be something that you have constantly. I have a friend who, from the time we were practically babies, wanted a baby. Yeah. And she has a son now, and she couldn't be happier, and he's a great kid. Then I have other friends who, you know, we never really thought about it, never really talked about it. But all of a sudden, they hit a certain age, or they were found themselves in a very serious relationship, and all of a sudden, it was like, babies! So it can kind of come up in different ways. Yeah, and the reason there is a, a baby fever fever in 2011 because of a study that came out of Kansas State University, uh, and it was published by a husband and wife team, Gary and Sandra Brace, and they studied the phenomenon of baby fever for 10 years and found that it is in fact a genuine physical and emotional phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, Gary Brace said that baby fever, uh, to go on and define it a little bit more, is this idea out in popular media that at some point in their lives, people get this sudden change in their desire to have children. And there are a lot of 
things that go along with that. Symptoms, you know, the way that you feel, the way that you behave. A lot of things kind of change when the baby fever hits. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I've had probably mild cases of baby fever, you know, for more like a, like a two-day virus or something that <laughs> will come and go. And uh, most recently, I noticed that I was just walking down the street and a a little stroller passed with the cute baby inside. Was anyone pushing it or was the baby just <laughs> rolling down the street? It was just rolling down the street by itself. Kid was taking himself out for a stroll. And, uh, oh man, I was, I, I surprised myself at how adorable I thought that child was. I was just like, well, oh, I would just like to scoop you. Wait, no, no, I don't keep walking. <laughs> um, so, and the thing is about baby fever is that it's not necessarily linked to the biological clock, which is something we have not done a podcast on that we probably should. Um, and it varies from person to person. Like you, I have friends who seem to have wanted a child since they were children mm-hmm. um, to people who don't want kids at all. Um, and it can change within you over time. Yeah. Like my, you know, <laughs> different brushes with it. Your hourly changes in your baby desires. <laughs> yes. Um, possible explanations for the FIVA include the sociocultural view, which is that people, especially women people, are acculturated to crave babies. Like we're nurturers, we're mommies, we want to take care of everybody. So we're just built in our DNA to crave babies to have them, not to eat them, of course. Yeah, I mean, we give little girls baby dolls yeah. as toys. I mean, we, I mean, from, from childhood, yeah, it's, it's literally put in their arms. Yeah, and Gary Brace said that, uh, related to the sociocultural view that people might think they want to have children because they are supposed to have children. And I'm, this, these people will remain nameless, but I have known people who maybe they should not have had kids. But it was just sort of like the next step. Right. Like, we're grown up, so now we do this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a thing. Um, and But you know what? The sociocultural view, according to the Braza study, was not found to be that great of a predictor of how strongly someone felt a desire to have children. And then next up, they tested out something called the byproduct view, which is the idea that people want to fulfill an urge to nurture. And this isn't quite as gendered as that sociocultural view, um, but it's just this idea that we innately um, want to take care of something. Yeah, especially as we, you know, get older, mature, get into relationships and whatnot. Um, the, the theory that they found to be most accurate is the adaptionist view, which is that uh, baby fever is an emotional signal that subconsciously hints to the brain that it might, might be a good time to have a baby. Uh, you know, why wait? Have a baby. Um, they found that uh, the things that really affected how people thought about babies, baby fever, having their own children, um, is whether you had positive or negative exposure to children in your life and your basically what you thought about the trade-offs, whether mm-hmm. you thought it was worth it as far as education, career, money, social life, to give up some things in favor of gaining different things with having a child. Which means that if you... Perhaps they're in a relationship with someone who's come down with a major case of baby fever, male or female. If you want to possibly uh, chill out those <laughs> symptoms, uh, find, I don't know, a daycare and just have them hang out with kids who throw temper tantrums. 
And really, because it's that negative exposure that the braces found will will turn you off from that baby fever. Yeah, and I mean, there are a lot of people who, and we've talked about this kind of in different respects in different episodes, but, you know, there are people who, once they get a little older and they've really been out in the world, some people just decide they don't want to give up a particular lifestyle sure. to have children. But other people are like, I will give up whatever it takes to have bundles of joy of my own. So digging into this brace study a little bit more, the way that they investigated baby fever and um, how much men and women exhibited it was that they had people rank their desires of sex, money, fame, and having a kid. Mm -hmm. And they found that baby fever exists in both genders. um, But how frequently a desire for a baby occurred did vary according to gender. Not so surprisingly, women more often were like, yes, I want a baby more than I want sex. Whereas guys were like, "Um, I want sex. I mean, I'll take a kid, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a kid. I mean, if it's part of the package, whatever. Uh, A 2007 Finnish study, Finnish as in Finland, not Whatever. Uh, this is in the Journal of Evolutionary Psychology. Surveyed men and women as to whether they had experienced a strong wish to have a child and found that 78% of women had experienced this strong desire, but 58% of men had as well. That's a lot of dudes. And I, I also have known guy friends who have talked about really wanting kids, mm-hmm. who are all about it. And we'll do the similar thing of when we walking down the street and be like, look at that cool kid. Yeah. I want to throw a baseball. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who I'm hanging out I with. I want to have. Well, yeah, they want to have a My Little Buddy. Yeah, like those commercials from the 80s. Um, in this study, this 2007 study, they found that women in their 30s and 40s reported having longed for children often more frequently than younger or older women. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's just a lifestyle thing. Maybe you're in your wild 20s, and then as you start to settle down in your 30s, you're like, I. I want to have a child, and you have that thought more often than you did when you were in your 20s. And then for men, it's a similar kind of pattern of the longing for a kid increasing with age. And I feel like that might have also something to do with that sociocultural aspect of, well, you've done all these things, Mm -hmm. your life is set up, society says, well, now raise something. And there's the issues of like, I want to pass on my name or my genes yeah. or my whatever, whatever Someone that comes from my family. At, someone will laugh at your jokes. Yeah, exactly. And then hate you when they turn 13. Something to do on Mother's Day. <laughs> I don't know. But there are also a lot of people, and this is from that Finnish study as well, who have never had a strong desire for kids. Um, and 39.3% of childless women report that. And 54.9% of childless men say, yeah, I just really never, never was into the whole idea. Yeah, and they did point out that it's much more common for a woman to try to persuade the man to have a child. And they cite empty arms syndrome, like, you know, this strong, overwhelming physical and emotional desire to just hold something. Like, that's why you get a puppy. Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. 
And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them. So that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. Okay, the new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman have never been more hilarious as America's favorite moms turned gangsters, Beth, Ruby, and Annie. Already this season, there have been some big twists and breathtaking surprises. The fans love it, and the critics do, too. Variety calls Good Girls addictive and audacious. Entertainment Weekly says it's just what you need, and Rotten Tomatoes certifies Good Girls 100% fresh. So, if you've missed any of the new season, get yourself online and stream it now. And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime. Uh, And they they say that, you know, there are hormonally related changes connected to pregnancy. And these two things are highly gendered. Obviously, The pregnancy, obviously, is highly gendered. If you've had a kid or you've experienced pregnancy before, you're more likely to have baby fever again. Yeah, and I think I have read um, articles where it talks about how for men especially, once the uh, their partner has the first child, their chances of really wanting the second one, even more so than uh, than the wife. Yeah, good illustration. Not that this is entirely 100% accurate. I'm just totally going to pick on my friends, Clay and Jessica. Um, but Jessica had wanted, she was an only child and had wanted a brood of like 30 children since she was little. Had always wanted a lot of kids because she hated being an only child. So she and her husband get pregnant and she's like, she's doing the nesting thing. You know, Mm -hmm. she's buying the toys and the clothes and she's getting everything all set and she's so excited and, you know, she's staying at home and rubbing her belly and whatnot. Meanwhile, Clay is like rock climbing and at the gym and going out to the bars and they had a huge, like giant fight about it. But once she's like, I just hope that once the baby comes, you actually want to spend time with your family. You know, <clears throat> pregnancy hormones. Anyway, um, yeah, once the baby came, of course he was absolutely in love with his child. Yeah. But it's just a different experience for the person carrying the child and the person who's just like kind of along for the ride during the pregnancy. Who's <laughs> rock climbing for nine months. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, that Finnish study also put forth a couple of different explanations for why... We get this desire for, or I, by, by we, some of us, I should say, get this desire for babies. And um, they suggest that it might have been evolved through mate selection. And it's essentially this notion that men and women who are sympathetic to babies and like the idea of having kids display themselves as good prospective parents. Yeah. And as far as another reason, you know, as related to evolution, genetics, uh, this whole baby desire may appear as a result of psychophysical changes. And they say that early in our evolution, most women were mothers and all women were exposed daily to babies and infants. So really the default mode of the female body, they say, is to have experienced both nurturing and pregnancies by the early 20s. So there's like a tripwire that kind of goes off in your early 20s. It's like, oh, what? what? Should I be nurturing something? 
Where's something for me to hold? <laughs> and so they say that, therefore, longing for a baby can develop as a byproduct of hormonal changes that evolved to prepare women for motherhood. Well, there's also one other point that was raised in this study, because it seems like baby fever as this sort of cultural thing is relatively new. And it might also have something to do with the fact that women have greater control over fertility because of birth control. And now it's more of a choice as to when we do or don't have a child. Mm -hmm. I feel like the idea of baby fever being something that is talked about in terms of like, do you want one or not? Because I guess, you know, think about it a while ago, it was just assumed like he would have a child probably whether you wanted one or not. Yeah. You, you definitely followed a a path, a set Mm -hmm. path. You know, you, you might go to school, then you get married, then you of course are going to have a family and retire and raise those kids and whatnot. Now it's definitely more of like a, well, are you with anybody? Yeah. Are you in a serious relationship? Are you going to wait until you are to have a child? Like decisions, make a decision. Yeah. Cause I mean, also the marriage rates were so young. Mm-hmm. You don't really have time to even wait around for the fever to strike. Exactly. Just ask Betty Draper. <laughs> um, so what though are the symptoms of baby fever aside from this kind of nebulous desire? I mean, we know what, what it is that is wanted i.e. baby. <laughs> but what does that feel like? Well, the the Finnish study that we were talking about earlier broke it down, and I was really surprised. I mean, because, like I said, this is not anything I have had personal experience with, but there are women who have actual physical symptoms. Um, this uh, They cite unbelievable aching, the womb feeling burned, pinched, and convulsed, breasts that feel heavy in response to seeing a baby. So, like, actual physical, like, I'm looking at a baby and I just want to freaking hold it. So yeah, some of the women, on a more emotional level, described their womb demanding something. Like, yeah. feeling, you know, a gentle knocking in their uterus. <laughs> yeah, like um, a temptation. They say, you know, a temptation that went against common sense. Yeah. So maybe, like, you know how I said earlier, you know, you have to make a decision. Are you going to wait until you're in a serious relationship or married or whatever? You know, you have to, if if your life isn't in the right place that you want it to be, maybe this baby fever is going against common sense. So you have a little bit of anxiety, longing. They describe it as sometimes a burden. Um, and then there might be more mental symptoms of dreams, uh, uncontrollable thoughts, fear of death and loneliness, low self-esteem, and not so surprisingly, also envy of mothers and pregnant peers. Yeah, and this envy or low self-esteem can actually affect your behavior. Sometimes women in this study said that they felt such envy uh, and kind of baby fever and everything that they actually ended relationships with friends who had babies. Like, they did not even want to be around women who were mothers. Well, I mean, and imagine, like, how, if we're thinking about this in terms of, uh, I mean, baby fever makes it sound like something crazy that women do, but I can understand that kind of anxiety and sorrow and difficulty being around pregnant people if you are a woman who, you know, say you're settled down and you're trying to have a child and you cannot, you know, if you are infertile mm-hmm. and are having those kind of issues. I'm sure it can be incredibly difficult to experience. Um, but it, it can also lead to behavior that is kind of risky. Mm-hmm. Choosing to uh, have have unprotected sex, for instance. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, like some people will go off their 
preferred form of birth control and not tell their partner, things like that. And that's part of the whole coercion persuasion thing. And there's the whole, you know, like making a partner choose between child and divorce is one of the things that was cited in the study. You so. make me a baby. <laughs> you, you make me. A, this is one fever that cannot be cured by cowbell. <laughs> Um, one of the triggers they mentioned, age, we've touched on that. Early 20s is a big period. Then 28 to 35. So we're right around that, that, that second Ooh, stage that of baby fever's coming. <laughs> yeah. And then things like biological clock, while they're not entirely connected, it's the same thing. Like, okay, I'm getting older. Like, what am I doing with my life? There's also falling in love, feeling like you're secure in a relationship. Now, I gotta say, of all of the, baby fever sources that we did run across. Uh, Babbel.com offered a, an interesting list of signs that you have baby fever, which includes pretending you're pregnant, um, not minding when kids are crying. You just want to hold that little screaming baby. Uh, you talk about babies constantly. You stop in the baby aisle at the grocery store. Maybe just to pick up some baby food, just a sample, just in case. <laughs> uh, you offer to babysit for free all the time. You get the feeling that someone is missing. And uh, you want to have sex more. But not because you love it, because you're hoping that the birth control fails. And you, oops, oopsie baby. Yep. Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them. So that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Here's the thing. Saving money with GEICO is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. So we've gone around and around and around talking about how baby fever does affect a lot of us, a majority of men and women, but there's still a large population of women and men, of course, but women are kind of the dominant ones in this conversation um, who have had an equally strong desire to remain child-free. We've done an episode on the child-free lifestyle, and it's something that, you know, you really do have to fight for against those sort of sociocultural forces that that might say, hey, where's where's the baby? Where's the beef? <laughs> yes, where where is the baby beef? Um, one theory about women who don't want to have children or um, don't have baby fever whatsoever is that perhaps they have a high testosterone level or were exposed to above-average testosterone in the womb. And before you get, 
like touchy and defensive and think I'm talking smack. I mean, I don't have any baby fever right now either. This is just another episode where I question whether my testosterone levels are <laughs> elevated. Um, and the same way that uh, a lot of women and men have had a constant desire, uh, you know, over the years to have a baby one day. There are just as many people who have had a constant lack of interest in children. And this this lack of desire basically can end up, especially if you've had it forever, if you've ever since you were a kid, you didn't like playing with dolls, you didn't really care about other children or babies or whatever. Um, it really becomes a defining part of your identity, because if you grow up with this thing in your head, like I'm not going to have children, it kind of becomes a part of who you are. And uh, author Laura Scott said that uh, she did a survey and found that 74 74% of the women she surveyed had no desire to have a child and no maternal instinct. So that's, that's a big chunk. Obviously, that's not everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a specific population. Um, and some, some correlates to people who choose to and desire to remain child-free, this is coming from Kristen Park, a sociologist, um, are that they are, both men and women, tend to be more educated, more likely to work in professional occupations, more likely to live in urban areas, less religious and less conventional. Uh, but th- there's also, it makes sense. You hear that a lot about mm-hmm. like higher income, higher education with people who don't have kids. But guess what? It's because kids are a massive financial and time investment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the, the moral of the story is that baby fever exists for men and women mm-hmm. alike, but it is not the rule. No, it's not the rule. I also think baby fever should be treated very, very carefully by the person who has it and that person's partner because you might have baby fever, but it might not be something that's good for you or your family. It might not even be, and, and I'm sorry if I, if I sound harsh or whatever when I say this, but it might not even be genuine. Mm-hmm. It might just be like this emotional kind of turmoil you're going through for whatever reason. Maybe you've had three kids and you kind of have baby fever for a fourth one, but maybe that's not right for you or your family. So yeah, and and also just because you have baby fever, don't start like pressuring your family or avoiding friends who have babies. Don't become a trickster in the bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Watch out for that. Wink, wink. So so who's had baby fever? Yeah. I, w- I want to know. Raise your hands. And guys out there, I w- we want to hear from you, too, um, because, like I said, 58%. A lot of you guys want some babies. So, you can send us your letters about baby fever at momstuffatdiscovery.com. And uh, we have a couple of letters here on a lighter note about jock straps. So this first one is coming from Angela, and she says, as always, excellent podcast. Oh, I think you, Angela. <laughs> I just finished listening to the Athletic Support Podcast and thought I would share a funny little story. About a month ago, my brother texted me while they were out shopping for a cup for my young nephew to wear during softball. My nephew thought that they all looked too big, but he found a chin strap that he thought would be the right size. <laughs> Great stuff to embarrass him with in about 20 years. You just replay this podcast. Uh, yeah, this one is from Zoe. Same topic. She says, I hate that I know this, but I have a brother who's three years older than me and was a catcher in high school baseball. The nut cup, I hate that it is called that, she says, is removable from the fabric and it can be washed in the dishwasher. Oh, see, that contradicts what that other person told us, that you shouldn't do that. 
Uh, she says, then the fabric is thrown in the clothes washer. It is very disturbing and potentially scarring for a 12-year-old girl to empty the dishwasher and have to remove her brother's nut cup. Disclaimer, those were her words. Not <laughs> mine. So thank you, Zoe. Uh, yes, thanks to everyone who has written in with nut cup stories and so much more. Momstuffatdiscovery.com is where you can send your emails. You can also... Send us a note on Facebook and tweet us at Mom Stuff Podcast. And if you want to learn so much more about babies and where they come from, you can head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.